welcome to EdMed Talks. I'm Dr. Adam DeVico, an educator. And I'm Dr. Jacqueline DeVico, a pediatrician. And we're your husband-wife duo for all things parenting. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 7, and we are going to talk about bullying today. Definitely a big topic in a lot of uh, communities, households, schools uh, in particular, but I think first we need to probably start with a definition of bullying. What is it and what is it not? So what is it? Well, first of all, we look for two key elements. Is it an imbalance of power between a person and either another person or a group and another person? And is it repetitive? When these two elements are kind of present, then yeah, we could say it is bullying. Now, what does it look like? You could have things like threats, spreading rumors, attacking either physically or mentally, or exclusion of a person. There are different kinds of bullying as well. So a lot of the I call it old school movies back in the 80s talk about or show the physical bullying. The bully threatening to beat up the kid for his lunch money and punching him or hanging him on a locker, pulling his underwear, giving him a wedgie. There's verbal bullying, there's threats, there's exclusion. And unfortunately now, the last couple of decades, we have cyberbullying. Yeah, and obviously that is one that uh, I think many of our families, especially with kids, with social media, are probably the most familiar and vulnerable to uh, right now. But certainly physical and verbal bullying exist uh, in our homes, schools, communities, neighborhoods as well. Any child could potentially be at risk of bullying, but which ones are going to be the most at risk? Certainly there's special populations, such as the LGBTQ community, children with special needs, children of the non-dominant race in the area, children of the non-dominant religion in the area, and children with higher levels of insecurities or less confidence are all more likely to be bullied than the average child. Now, I think in the same breath, we also need to figure out what is not bullying. So this is where it gets tricky because there's certainly no definition of what is not bullying, but things that are just in passing or done one time out of maybe uh, joking or something like that, where it's uh, very, very isolated in a silo. Typically, these are what we would say, this is mean or this was not being kind. But I, as an educator, definitely want to make sure that we have a, a clear definition of there is bullying and then there are instances where there is not bullying because uh, I think in our society now we have really embraced this concept of my child is being bullied and what happens is when there are true instances of bullying then when we overinflate the term those true instances get watered down. So as a parent what to look for in your child? What are some signs of bullying? So there's often no clear sign that a child's going to walk home saying, guess what? I was bullied today. But what's going to happen is your child's going to be quieter, more withdrawn, less likely to discuss what's going on at school or in their other social activities. They're going to be more isolated. They are going to show signs of lower and lower confidence. And those are some things to look for and potentially try to push a little harder to open up the conversation. And with the, with the signs of 
cyberbullying, it is a little bit harder because they might actually become more obsessed with their phone or social media because they're hyper-focused on you know what is being said or what is being talked about or what messages or pictures or whatever is being done uh, through social media or texting. So be on the lookout for that as well. Now, I also want to talk about there's different roles of the concept of bullying. Naturally, we have the bully, the person who is causing this harm onto others. That other person would be known as the victim. But then we have a third party known as a bystander. And in some instances, the bystander gets kind of left out of the conversation. But today, I want to make sure that we talk about what it means to be a bystander. And a term that I'm going to use in just a few minutes is an upstander. So we'll get to that in just a few minutes. But uh, Jacqueline, do you want to talk for a second about just the impact? Like, what can bullying do to a kid? Well, so bullying can really affect their overall health, both emotional health and physical health. So we know that children who are bullied, they're more likely to have anxiety, depression, but they're also more likely to have other physical ailments. Um, They're going to get sick more often. They're more likely to have overweight or obesity. They're more likely to have poor sleep. And all of these things tend to compound themselves and increase our overall health. Now, as dark as this is and a tough subject to say, we also have higher suicide rates for those kids who get bullied. And Jacqueline mentioned before about some of the most vulnerable groups, including LGBTQ, uh, special needs uh, students. And so unfortunately, we do see in the news on a frequent basis, students, young children who do take their own lives because of bullying. I remember being a pediatric resident in the hospital, and it was a 12-year-old girl who had hung herself due to bullying. And just watching what the family and everyone had to go through, it is so, so difficult to even imagine myself in their shoes, especially as our oldest child will be 12 soon. And with suicide being one of the more common causes of pediatric deaths, unfortunately, it is something we have to discuss and think about and not shy away from. So naturally, the next conversation is, well, how do you prevent it? And I don't know if prevention is completely feasible. I think we live in a world that has such connectivity and constant uh, ways to reach people that total prevention may not be possible. But uh, we do want to talk about ways to curtail or grow as, you know, as individuals to not allow it to bother us and not allow us to internalize it so much. So one of the first things we can do is think about building resilience and teaching our children, hey, look, there are some mean people in this world. Look, between me and you right now, there's some adults that are pretty mean out there, aren't there? I'm sure you face this in your own life, at work, in your you know social circles. There's just some mean people, and they were probably mean kids. And sometimes people, yeah, they've got stuff going on in their lives, and this could be the cause of it. But unfortunately, it manifests itself by coming out as what we would consider bullying tactics. And now as adults, we're typically a little bit better about figuring out that this person's just being a jerk. But for kids, that's harder. So teaching our kids, there are some mean people, and sometimes we just got to ignore them. 
what bullies often do is they almost force the child into isolation. That child feels alone. That child feels as though nobody cares and nobody loves them. And so as a parent, I think it's really important to kind of over remind your child if they're going through this that you know, this is temporary. You have a strong family. You have all of these people in your lives that love and care about you. Um, talking about this is bringing me back to a time in middle school where I think a lot of us can reflect back and either remember bullying instances, whether they were personal or whether they were the bystanders watching. Um, but it was shortly after losing my mother. And um, if you guys haven't listened to the grief episode, I go into more detail there. But I had this one girl who was bullying me by turning an entire group of friends against me, consistently writing mean notes. Um, I remember one note that she wrote me. Um, at the end of it, it said that my parents deserve to die. And while the pain of that instance really stands out to me, I also very much remember three girls that were in my class and we used to write each other notes with these code names, so they didn't actually know who the note was from. But they saw me reading the note, they grabbed it from me, pulled me aside, and they were standing over me saying, Jacqueline, who wrote this? Who wrote this? We have to tell the teacher. And I think I was begging them not to because I was scared. And I'm just thinking back, I'm so proud of those three girls. I, I don't know for sure if they actually told the teacher or not, but the fact that they reached out and showed that they cared that helped me feel less alone. And this was a time period where I was feeling alone from my family and alone in school. And so having a child or a group of children who kind of reminded me that, hey, you're not alone, that really helped me get through it. I think more than those girls ever knew. Yeah. So what Jacqueline described there is actually a great transition and example to the difference between a bystander and an upstander. You know, for a long time, uh, our society was accepting and, and content with bystander. A bystander basically meant that you weren't going to get in the way. You know, if, if stuff was going down, you were pretty much safe by just staying to the side and just minding your own business. That was kind of how many of us were, were brought up, right? If something's got, just mind your own business. I mean, we were always told that. But the concept of upstander really gained traction uh, through, uh, I think it was the 90s, when there was an incident in Central Park where you know, a bunch of people were basically witnesses to a, a murder and no one did anything. And so a lot of laws were passed about this idea of an upstander. Hey, if you see something happening, take action, say something, do something. Uh, so the concept of a bystander really has become a little bit more of a, a negative connotation because now we want to really encourage our kids to be upstanders. So the example that Jacqueline just gave of those three girls who, even, even if they didn't directly say something to the teacher. They stood up to that person. They said to Jacqueline, hey, we got your back. So stuff like that is what we want to encourage our kids to do. Encourage our children to stand up for friends. And even if you're not friends, just if you see something, say something. And that doesn't mean go fight the person. That doesn't necessarily fix anything. But tell an adult, uh, tell an authority figure, you know, say, hey, step in and just say, hey, we're done here. So for me, I think as a parent, 
training and encouraging my kids to be upstanders is one of the most important things I can think of as a parent. Yeah, I can remember our oldest child really, (laughs) he loves praise. He loves praise for things. And I can think of a couple instances where he's come home and said, oh, my classmates were really mean to this kid because of his weight, but I stood up for him and I told them that that's not fair. And I said, I'm going to be his friend. And with Adam working at the school, I know in actuality, what happened wasn't quite as big as he made it in his mind, but I'm going to build up those qualities because even if what Ryder did isn't quite as amazing as he's describing to me, I want him to feel proud when he's doing these things. I want my kids to feel good about themselves when they're standing up for somebody else. And I think that's such an important skill to pass on to our children. Now, another way that we can really work with our kids, especially if you fear or you you suspect that your child is a victim to bullying, is encouraging positive peer relationships. Jacqueline said a few minutes ago that boys really thrive over a power dynamic. They seek weaker situations or people, and they, they thrive because they have power over them. So if we encourage our children to have positive peer relationships, they're going to feel more supported. They're going to feel like they have someone that they can talk to or that they can rely on or that they can uh, kind of feel more empowered by because they have someone. And instead of that isolated feeling that, again, bullies thrive on, they hopefully will have a feeling of, you know what, I have some security because I know I have that friend or that companion. When a child comes home talking about a friend and you hear maybe not even direct bullying, but something that sounds drama or some related or something that sounds like, oh, that friend, I don't think they're being a very good friend. I don't think it's very successful to tell your child, yeah, that kid doesn't sound like a good friend. So tell them, find somebody else. Kids, kids probably are not going to listen to that. But a question that I always like to ask, and I encourage parents of mine um, in the office is, ask your child, huh, that friend, how does he or she, how do they make you feel? And often kids can be very introspective and pause and say to themselves, oh, maybe that doesn't make me feel good. So I think continuing to ask your child, hey, how does this person make you feel about yourself? Are you happy? When you spend time with this person, getting your child to understand their own feelings and emotions with varying other people will help build that confidence, will allow them to be that upstander or potentially prevent them from being a victim. So one category of bullying that we definitely wanted to spend a minute or two on today is cyberbullying with so many of our children with phones now and access to social media, it has become, it has been obviously a major, major issue. I see it as a educator, as a principal, I had to deal with it constantly. It was a challenging, challenging feature of our society because so often the cyberbullying was not happening in my school. It was happening outside of school, at home, and but it oftentimes would come into the school setting. And so we couldn't ignore it. And it it oftentimes had to turn into a collaboration and a partnership with the parents to make sure that whatever was going on, we could stop it. And I was often pleasantly surprised at parents' reactions because unlike what Jacqueline referred to before as traditional bullying, which is more of the he said, she said stuff, 
cyberbullying is pretty easy to identify because it's right there uh, with the ability to open up a tweet or a, a direct message or a text. There's not much denying about, hey, something happened. Now, if I had cases where older brother or sister jumped in there, yep, I've had that one before. But by and large, I've had parents far more willing to work with me in, in situations over cyberbullying. And uh, as a parent, the best advice I can give is check your kids' cell phones. If they have a phone, get on in it. Know their passwords, know their screensavers, their, their apps. You need to have access to it because if you don't, they're going to find ways around it. And so I, the easiest, best advice I can give is make sure you have access to that phone. Now, again, from the school perspective, we have to get involved. When, when we hear the word bullying, when we have a bullying situation, we're going to do an investigation. And uh, the biggest thing I ask of parents is give me some time because these situations are complex. There are often several layers. There are multiple parties involved. Uh, personally, I'm going to interview those bystanders or upstanders. I'm going to talk to teachers. This is not a quick fix type thing. So I do need time. So if you have approached your school about a bullying situation, please give them you know a little bit of time at least to, to figure out what's going on because these are serious uh, accusations. These are serious matters and they need to be dealt with appropriately but also, also judiciously. And one thing I'll often remind parents and families, and I think I've said this in earlier podcast episodes, but children typically don't lie to create trouble. Children lie to get out of trouble. So it is very unlikely that a student out of nowhere will make up an elaborate scenario situation that happened. Now, could they possibly misinterpret it or um, could they exaggerate it? Absolutely. But more often than not, when a child out of nowhere tells, especially tells an adult about something serious that happened, they're telling the truth. Please believe them because they kids don't lie to create trouble. Kids don't lie to have teachers come talk to them and interview them. Now, the reverse is definitely true. Kids lie all the time to get out of trouble, including our own two. <laughs> Please, I, whenever I'm in the office and sometimes I'll hear a parent say, oh, my child never lies, I think to myself, nope, they're really good at it and you haven't detected it yet. All kids lie, even the quote, best kids. I love my boys very much. They lie. And when questioned, a child will easily go, nope, I didn't do that. I didn't say that. And that's natural. And that doesn't mean your kid's a bad kid. That's just, that's natural instinct, not only in kids, but also parents. And so piggybacking on what Adam said, you know, give the school some time, but also recognize that kids don't lie to create trouble. Yeah. So I'm going to give you some principal investigator hints here. So if you are suspecting your child is, is either being bullied or is a bully uh, for uh, against some another child. Frame your questioning not so much what did you do, but what did you experience? Right? What what happened here? And so when you frame the question of hey, tell me a story, then things start happening. Th then because if you just ask a yes or no question, like Jacqueline said, if you just, were were you bullying someone? No, 
But if you say, hey, I heard something happen. Tell me what happened through your eyes today. And then you might hear, then you're prompting your kid to basically tell a story. Now, will they exaggerate? Perhaps. Will they lie some? Perhaps. But now you've opened up the gates at least to start asking follow-up questions. So again, my principal investigator hat here, just be mindful and intentional with the types of questions you are asking your child when in a situation about bullying. So obviously there is, there's just so many layers. Uh, this is a, a big topic, a, a serious topic. I know for so many families and, and I know it hits deeply personal for some of you because perhaps you were bullied as a child. And, and look, I mean, some of you listening may have bullied other people. And, you know, as adults now, I think we can look hindsight's 2020 and look back and try to right the wrongs that we did at, at times perhaps. Uh, but I definitely encourage you to talk to your children about it. There's a great website uh, called stopbullying.gov, stopbullying.gov, G-O-V at the end. And on there they have, uh, they have helplines, uh, materials, curriculum, other links and websites and uh, advice for parents. So there's lots of resources on there. And I encourage you to, uh, to check that out. And I remind families, as we always end every episode, there's no such thing as the perfect parent. However, you can be the perfect parent for your child.